Welcome to Super Connected. With me, Tim Arnold, and my special guests. We invite you to join us in an intimate and honest exploration into the theme of connection. What it means to be connected to each other, what it means to be connected to ourselves, and what it means to connect in an ever-changing world. Willie Dowling is a multi-instrumentalist, composer, producer, performer, with a long-standing experience of writing underscore and theme tunes for film and TV in a wide variety of styles and genre. Over the years, Willie has fronted, composed, produced and toured his own bands. Uh, one of those bands which I toured with him with my band, including among his bands, the influential rockers Honeycrack and Jackdaw 4. Uh, he's also written, played, sung, produced for artists like Dr. Hook, Midjur, Hot Chocolate, The Wild Hearts, Choir Boys. list goes on. Um, Willie is somebody that has been at, um, you know, involved in all important music that's been coming out of the United Kingdom for um, several decades. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, for, for me, definitely um, a, a massive influence on me as well. He's, he's too impatient for a proper introduction. So uh, please welcome Willie Dowling. Willie, how are you? I'm in peak condition, I'm glad to report. How are you? How's things over in London? Yeah, um, it's, it's obviously uh, London has just kind of got to lockdown. And, uh, oh, has so, it? That's official now? Well, I don't know. It's official as far as the media is concerned. Uh, and everybody's behaving like we're on lockdown. Um, but no, the government still haven't done a, a, a proper instruction. It's funny, we can talk about um, things without even mentioning coronavirus, but I will mention it now in case people listen to this in years to come and go, what are they talking about? You know, I'm sure they'll know. Um, where are you at the moment? I'm actually uh, talking to you from my studio in France, oh, uh, where I've been for the last few weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're sort of a week or two weeks in front of the English approach, and I do mean English as opposed to British approach. <laughs> yes. It seems that yeah, there's a, a very different set of ideas uh, according to the country you're in right now. I'm, I'm pleased to see that they're finally doing something that is a little closer to uh, how the Europeans are approaching the whole crisis. But uh, anyway, yes, I'm in France at the moment. And you're, um, you, you, but you have family back in the UK, do you? Mm. Yeah, and yeah, um, loved ones uh, who are obviously keeping you updated on the way things are going here. Yeah, uh, uh, like a fool, I've been, uh, because we're quite isolated where I am in France, There's, uh, we're miles from the nearest town, so I've been getting my news from, where I guess, where everybody else is, terrestrial TV and mm, mm. Uh, the ubiquitous social media, and uh, I can't quite convince myself that that's a good idea, because, my God, it goes in waves, we're like sort of fish and uh, there's a sort of ripple of optimism that spreads out and within a matter of hours or minutes sometimes uh, that suddenly seems to go in the reverse direction it's a very peculiar thing socially that we're experiencing right now yeah and obviously that's a, a, a lot of what I, I I love talking about on this show uh, it's socially and what 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 we have left to connect with which unfortunately it just seems to be uh, the internet at the moment or fortunately because it's it's making some people feel less anxiety I was uh, contemplating that last night and I was thinking how much worse it might be in the absence of that but I can't be certain that that's a true I know. reflection because uh, if you never had it then you would only be dealing with what you knew existed uh, uh, one can't help but feel that were say the internet to go down then the feeling of isolation would be hugely uh, magnified uh, uh, just because we've become so conditioned into accepting that that's the way we're trading information these days. It would be awful. And yet, there you go. We lived for the best part of the 20th century without it. Yeah. Um, and and some of us are you know, lucky to have experienced both sides of this um, incredible transition in, into um, you know, lot, most of our communication being uh, virtual. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
it's funny, uh, you know, just introducing you to any listeners who are new to your work. Um, I, I know you, obviously, from the 1990s, touring with you. And really, uh, you know, anybody listening, I was, I, Willie's a huge influence on me in terms of understanding and appreciating the craft of songwriting, uh, performance and production. I mean, we're, we're, Yeah, and look where it's got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all your fault. <laughs> no, really, though, there's, there, are, there are certain artists who... Uh, they just they do what they do and it's good. And then there are other artists where, where you like yourself, where I look at, at somebody like you, Willie, when you're working on a new album, new project, and kind of think, what's he after? He's trying to do something there. There's a it's like it's a difference between a rabbit just comfortably sort of finding their home and and one that just won't stop digging holes until they found the right one. And well, you, you, I'm flattered to hear this, Tim, uh, and I I wished I could make sense of it with an intelligent response, but I don't have one. But I am flattered. Thank you. I mean, in terms of you know the the multi genre approach that you've had on a lot of your albums. That's that when I first heard that with Honeycrack, that gave me sort of gave me permission to do the well to have the kind of career I have making. I've had making albums, which is I don't have to do anything that any any uh, genre in any particular genre. I can just keep skipping around, and and that's what I've done. I don't think I would have taken that approach without sort of hearing how you crammed fifty different genres into four minutes once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, again, I'm tempted to say that hasn't served either of us particularly well in terms of public awareness. Well, <laughs> yeah, but then, but then it's, you do you do what's in your you've got to soul, do what's in you, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, and you've got to be, you know, um, and there and you do inevitably find people that love that sort of approach and of course there are it might not be in what we would term as popular uh mainstream sort of um music communities but my god there's still a lot of people who like to hear i don't know a more like crazy mad scientist approach to musical instruments and and, and singing I guess, but I don't think there's a, a, a wrong or right to uh, the approach. Uh, one can only assume that people that are perfectly satisfied listening to, uh, I don't know, death metal and nothing else, derive the same sense of satisfaction from it. Uh, it, it it's not like if only everybody would wake up to it. It's, it. There is no sort of central point that we're all striving towards, I don't think. Uh, it, it just so happens that uh, I get bored very easily. And I've never been particular, with one exception, uh, been fan, fan, a fan of bands specifically. It's always been songs that have, have struck me as important. And that sort of leads to a much wider uh, set of uh, influences, I guess, that sneak in at the sides rather than just yeah. being concerned with one particular genre. I mean, um, just uh, I, I, I think I'm right in saying that you would have begun writing songs by, you know, looking at other people's songs that you loved and trying to understand how they did this and how they did, did that. Why, how did they manage to achieve something harmonically or whatever it was? Um, that's, which is how I started as well. It was like, I want to do a song that, that makes me feel like that guy's song. You know, oh, I guess a, a wee bit, but uh, I, you know, I, cards on the table. I'm so lazy that uh, <laughs> the, the the exception that I was referring to was the Beatles, who struck me mm -hmm. at an age that they became massively significant, and uh, uh, th their output was uh, uh, much as you're describing now, so varied and so sort of dependent upon mm -hmm. whatever the arrangement or the style. The song was the thing that struck you. Yeah, and uh, I, I, again, I'm I'm not sure that there's a wrong or a, a a right to this. It's just that that's what caught me at an impressionable age, and that's essentially all I've been trying to do since. It's the interesting stuff that has snuck in since then that mm -hmm. I've not been aware of. So, for example, uh, the Beatles, hands down, uh, uh, my first and foremost band, and yet for years there was uh, in reviews of albums uh, everything from the Honeycrack stuff, the Grip stuff, Jack Dorfall stuff, uh, where 
in amongst the uh, various influences that they would cite, there would be things like uh, the Beach Boys and XTC. Now, I swear to God, I'd never heard Pet Sounds until I was 35 years old. I had no idea that's who I was ripping off. But apparently, (laughs) I say ripping off. I suspect, and because it's a genuine thing, Ah, uh, because but, uh, I didn't know these yeah. people that it's it, you draw from the same well. XTC is the most recent one uh, that uh, it was only my good friend and partner in crime in the Dowling Pool, John Poole, who mm. kept sort of very gently saying, "Oh, you should listen to XTC. You'd like them." And I tried. Uh, I remember on one occasion, really on his account, listening to XTC, and I did the worst thing: downloaded far too much, far too quickly, uh, and it just struck me as so obtuse. Yeah. But by by degrees, again, being gently encouraged by John, oh, no, no, you should try this track. And and when I did it that way, sort of five or six songs, I suddenly got it and realised, oh, my God, I, yeah, I see yeah. what people are talking about in these reviews. I, we do, I do sound a bit like XTC. I never set out to. The Beatles, I will confess to, XTC and the Beach Boys <laughs> snuck up on me. I didn't know them. Yeah, you mentioned the Dowling Pool, which is, of course, your latest band. And we are going to talk about that as well, because I was like, I, I, you know, I, I, there's some questions. I really want to ask about the Dowling Pool. But, um, yeah. Well, I was going to say that uh, under ordinary circumstances, uh, I would be doing this interview with the sole intent of shamelessly promoting the Dowling Pool's new album, See You, See Me. But uh, you don't have to, though, because I'll shamelessly promote it for you. It's fine. uh, Well, that's very sweet of you. (laughs) But do you know what I mean? It does feel very, very tacky to, to. be trying to punch stuff yes and, and no. sell I stuff think people under the current people who love people who love music um, and, and, and uh, are you know there there are different groups among music fans these days. Some of them um, quite greedy and they don't really think too much about how the music they listen to gets made. And then there's lots of them who really know that musicians need uh, attention and a bit of support as well because it's a really really hard thing to make music and and sustain any kind of living these days so yeah there'll be i think it's all right you know to to share uh the the work that you've been doing well i think that's a sort of dangerous point though isn't it Uh, in terms of sort of a philosophical approach to this is there there is an ugly side to that and it's one that uh, i've fallen prey to time and time again is the search for validation for what you do and we measure this in very specific ways uh, it used to be exclusively record sales and people through the door at gigs and nowadays it's downloads and god knows whatever else uh, in amongst the mush of stuff that's out there on the internet uh, but it's a very dangerous path to follow and uh, well, do you know uh, what and, i and think I fo- with you I, and 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 certainly with my own music as well i think we've hit a point in history where it's so oversaturated with content out there there's a sea of content and you, you know people just kind of clamber from one wave to the other that quite often i just think people are interested in finding out about somebody who's passionate about something whether it's music or writing a book or or anything or acting you know i think that that's that's as as complicated as it needs to get now it's like oh that guy or that woman is really passionate about what they do, and that's I guess, sort I of, guess so. I I, I, think I mean I can't. That works more than I think any of the marketing. Everybody's too clever for marketing. Everybody knows we're just being sold at. I guess so. Uh, um, the point that I was uh, uh, veering towards was that uh, my experience has been that the search for validation is the point where it it becomes so much harder and the thing that returns me you sound like you sound like you've got a codependency issue like me (laughs) yeah yeah i i I mean it's big who wants everybody to love us yeah (laughs) but uh, so the the question is is would then be uh when you're not validated album after album why continue to do it and i have an answer for that oh but i want to know that yeah please well it's uh, because of the intrinsic value of the process yeah you realize that uh the amount of time you spend uh, worrying and uh, about how many likes you get and how many sales you have destroy 
the most important part of why you go back to it from time to time and yeah. I'm sure you'll you'll recognize this but there is a moment in this studio or sat in front of a piano when the realizing of an idea the uh, when you bring something to uh, completion a, 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 a lyric and a, a, a melody and a set of chords yeah. is so personally valuable to you that that really is the only reason to keep on doing it is because it's the one thing that you've got in your life that brings a reward that makes you feel like you belong that you've yeah and that was easier i guess uh, when we met when we were touring together in the 90s it was slightly easier then was it to to be I, able to i don't to... know i mean that, that sort of that uh, it was only a limited level of success honeycrack had but when it did happen, I was already quite a, a an aged uh, uh, fella by that point. Or, you know, aged, I think, more experienced, we can say. I think aged. Well, I've been around the block <laughs> a few times, and it brought a whole set of new problems yeah. uh, to to the table. Uh, none of which were were comfortable. It was almost like uh, the. the process of seeking out that thing that you were so elusive for so many years suddenly had this whole bag of other stuff that un unleashed upon you that was just as dreadful as being out in the dark and nobody caring mm. uh, uh, so I, I don't have a sensible response to that uh, other than the intrinsic value of doing something that brings you joy that's the reason to do it let's see if i i'm, I'm really genuinely interested and these are these shows are just conversations often with either people that i i don't know and there's something we've got in common or somebody i do know uh like now and um so do you like the t t you've made an album uh, you set it for the argument's sake. Say there's ten tracks on the album, and we know each song, each lyric. We we know the moments we went to ourselves. Ah, oh, that's a good line. Uh, oh, there's a chord sequence that we've just come up with, and we think even Lennon or or um, mm. or, or, or Brian Wilson hadn't didn't find that one. This is really cool. Yeah, and, touching the hems, yeah, touching and, the hems of the then, That's a good feeling. And then you do another song. That, you know, there's another song which you, th you you were happy with for a couple of months, and then suddenly you came up with an extra bit, and you went and you worked on it for another three or four weeks, and it and you're so this you're in love with it basically, and so all these different things, and also you've you've cross referenced bits of politics that are current, you've cross referenced uh, things in some of the songs to do with uh, the society uh, that we're living in. There's all these things you think, God, this will really resonate with people. They're going to love this, you know. And you do that for two years, maybe. And and then you, you're presented with, it's done. I have to share this now. <laughs> so uh, you can tell right, how I feel about that. I've done go. it. <laughs> like you, how do you feel when you get to that moment? This is this is our connection. And more than any other, I think. I hate that moment. I hate that moment. And it's <laughs> nuanced because uh, the, this one is slightly different. I've done my level. Uh, the Dowling Pool the Dow album. Yeah, see, you yeah. see me. Uh, I've tried in so far as is possible to be completely removed from the promotion process. Of course, it hasn't been entirely successful because I have stepped back onto social media, which is uh, a mixed bag. But uh, there's been a huge relief about not having to worry about sales, about the promotion, about the press release, about... Because uh, someone else is doing that Someone else you. is doing it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it won't make a blind bit of difference one way or another in terms of what the thing does. It'll fly or it won't fly. But just personally, it's a huge relief. And, and what it's done uniquely on this occasion, which has never happened to me before, when I finished a record, there's been this... Uh, uh, several months afterwards where uh, uh, just trying to rid oneself of the a huge amount of time and effort you put into it, it's, it's a bit like ah, releasing the breath and looking at what happens and it's always disappointing. On this occasion because I've been attempting insofar as is possible not to look at it, I found myself going back into the studio and writing songs far more quickly than I've ever done before in my life. Now, I Do don't know whether after that's... this record was finished. 
yeah, when yeah. this record was finished, I started on the next one. I started recording more songs. I've never done that before. But I, again, again, I think for practical reasons as much as anything else, I've always been part and parcel of the, okay, now yeah. get it to the PR, blah, blah, blah. And it's hard to be creative when you're now dealing with the outside world. For so me, your, anyway. your advice in, in a way to, well, even to me on my next album. I, I don't I, have any I, advice, any, Tim. Be right, careful well, how you phrase the, that. The, the advice that we can, we can take from what you're saying would, would be it it might be a more rewarding experience uh to really have somebody else dealing with the constant promotion and uh sharing uh, of of your of your work and uh, then doing it all yourself yeah a bit but that's just my experience and it's not entirely what i was saying it is that that process if you let it that uh, post album recording mixing process will destroy the creative impulse uh, or certainly has done for me so i don't know if it's true for everybody else yeah. some people are brilliant i've always been massively impressed at your output you just continue to do songs you continue now that's not my experience up until very recently like i was saying more often than not I've taken ages to make a record. I finally finished it. Uh, and I, I, it's almost like I've been so exhausted by what follows after that that I can't bring myself because I'm invariably but your, disappointed your level by the of ex, Your level of exploring the possibilities of songs are much wider than I do with my songs. I mean, you you, 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 you know, I, I explore maybe, I don't know, half a dozen versions and then, then I cut it. You, you're exploring, I don't know, a thousand versions of your song and then having a bit of each of them... <laughs> Yeah, but what, you, what, what that that's not a choice that uh, we make on an artistic level. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> You're suffering with that. It's an affliction. No, no. I've just been fucking very, very lucky. I have facilities yeah. that allow those kind of processes to to to, to come into into play. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have. A, a lovely little studio where you can sit out and you've got all the gear you need and you, you can essentially do most of it on your own, then it's a very different uh, process that you must experience. Now, I can't be sure about that, but I'm guessing it would be that way. And it, it makes no sense to me that you know, one would make a comparison and go, oh, he, here's how to do it. This guy's got it right. No, I've been fucking lucky over the years. And it just so happens that I've fallen into a space where th that's a possibility for me. For most people, it is yeah what do you think about the um performing live uh online in in context of what we're in the middle of at the moment where everybody is self-isolating and uh social distancing and of course every festival this year has been cancelled uh venues are closed theatres are closed so what is left is this thing that we've had for quite a few years now which is um performing on in front of cameras that other people can see on screens where where do you stand with that Willie I'm asking you as well because I'm I'm doing one a gig like that online later <laughs> just wonder oh, you... yeah and I I, do, I, I not... don't as a rule I don't do that sort of thing. I'm not qualified to say I've I've read these posts uh from musicians saying oh the tour's been cancelled the uh so the merch has gone the sales have gone I got nothing and my heart bleeds uh, again only through circumstances through pure luck I don't at this present moment have those kinds of primary concerns that uh, I, I need to get some sort of income so there's one evil side of me that thinks oh god don't don't exploit this to sell your dross and the other side goes no you, I, I'm not qualified to make that kind of judgment because I don't have to so uh, it seems to me that it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do and again I think from a sort of utilitarian point of view I could see that some people if I if can judge from the Facebook responses to because there's lots of people doing these uh, people seem to like them people seem to appreciate them so it's it's not for me to say oh I wish you wouldn't do <laughs> what about the fact that just uh well even i as um, i mean we're friends but i i'm a fan as well um people just feel happy because they'll see you doing one of your songs online there you go there you go uh, I, and i agree i agree uh, i i think at this present moment and i reserve the right to change my mind tomorrow at this present <laughs> moment <hope> so. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't quite work 
for for me, and certainly uh, put it this way, I've had no requests to do so. <laughs> so ah, uh, that's uh, the thing, though. I, I've I've not had a request to perform live in eighteen, I saw that 18 thing you did months, with... and I haven't I haven't done a gig in eighteen months. I saw that little <laughs> thing that you did with uh, Andy Lewis. I think you were up at his place. A- Andy, I yeah. should say, uh, was in Tim's band Jocasta, which is where I met him, and now uh, plays. Well, he played with Jack Dorfall constantly, and on the rare occasions the Dowling Pool do anything live. Andy's He's in on most bass. of your bands, isn't, isn't he? He's been in audio. Oh yes, of course. There was one. In, I, yeah. I always forget this. Sugar I forget Plum the bands. Fairies. Yes, that's right. Jack Dorfall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we did. I that. saw that thing you did, and it was—it just reminded me of uh, the the 1990s. I, was it Go? I think I saw you do. Yeah, we did. We yeah. did three or three, four tracks from uh, from the album. And what was what was that great song I saw you doing? You'd gone out with a mask on and done a little video. I think before <laughs> there was a, a real <laughs> the, sense the land of panic. Do as you please. That's a great the, song, man. The, That's the, a really good song. Uh, do I know thanks. that, or or did that? It hit me as a new song. Did no, you play that live? We played it once, and I remember where we played it. We played it in Cambridge in 1996, and it was really hard to do live. But, um, I mean, it, yeah, it was meant to be the track on the, the first track on the Jocasta album, but we ended up doing, uh, I don't know, uh, so many different things with that album that it ended up as a B-side. It was uh, a very good song and a very effective little video you did for that as well. Thanks, it was man. very compelling. I watched it from beginning to end. I never do that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Long before the, you know, the, I had the mask anyway because I, I have a bike. But, um, yeah, I, it sort of looks A, like a great it. way to cover up that you can't fucking sync the vocal as well. Yeah, Brilliant. easiest lip sync I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's very effective. I, there was, I, I was trying to second guess the way you did it because uh, <laughs> I, I, it looked initially like you were reversing a, a, a the crowd coming towards you, and then it occurred to me afterwards, no, because I can't see his lips. You've done that, in yeah. fact, the other way round. <laughs> you, uh, you've been walking towards them, and I've been seeing people walk away. Oh, Would I, that be I, right? I like I like the fact that you've spent some time <laughs> like, like going through the nitty-gritty of my work because, you know, I thought it was just me that did it about your work. Precisely. <laughs> Um, but seriously, what do you do? Do you think, uh, like for the last, I don't know, uh, ten years, I've not done a lot of um, you know live gigs online where people are just sort of tuning in. Um, and I don't know if you have, and, and the reason I, I haven't one. done it is because I did one. You did one, but it, it, yeah. it feels to me it, it, it. I don't know. There's it. There's one emotion that happens when I'm in front of another human, like we're standing in the same on the same ground, and and there's a different emotion when we're having exactly the same conversation, but we're looking at screens, we're seeing each other, and it's great. And and I know grandparents seeing their grandkids when they live far away, and what is so important, but it's a different type of emotion, isn't it? Uh, again, I'm not qualified to judge the one time i did what do that, you feel uh, when you when you you know the difference between um you know i don't think there's one there's an either or but i think some people are confused on what they're getting i don't know tim i'm out my depth i don't know i did i did that once uh i think when we released our second album uh, what the hell was that called? Uh, One Hyde Park. We did a live broadcast, a band broadcast from the studio, and all I recall of that was watching it back and listening to it and thinking, God, the sound is fucking terrible. I wished I'd never done it. But there you go. That's uh, <laughs> that's just uh, my response. I, I don't think I'm qualified to make a, 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 a good assessment of this. On, on this or anything else, come to that. <laughs> <laughs> but on XTC... You 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 can say a few things now. You mentioned before that that band had really um, inspired and influenced you, although you didn't know. Which makes me think I, I I've mentioned it before on one of these shows that I think there's a big atmosphere of song that goes around the planet, and that you know you see some bits of it, and you know Beethoven sees some bits of it, and Lennon and McCartney sees some bits of it, and we all get a, a chance to see different bits of it. You got the same bit, I think, haven't you, as XTC? Uh, really? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, you both, that, that, both tuned that, into that, the same that thing. That works in other ways as well. There, there are uh, songs that will have gone through that same uh, process of connectivity uh, with 
a song that you or I wouldn't even begin to understand why that's important, but at least we have to be generous enough to assume that uh, it's working for someone somewhere. I don't get it. I, uh, I don't get it. But uh, it must be the same process. So there's your connectivity, if you like. The idea that it's exclusive, that we will make a connection universally, is, is, is a, a failing. But then I, I, I've often thought that this is... A, a significant difference between your view of the world and my view of the world uh, and correct me if I'm wrong but uh, I've often thought that uh, my approach is kind of more stoicism uh, and uh, you seem to uh, be very attracted to the mystical the the uh, the notion of something other going on that uh, is appealing and that therefore qualifies its value. I, I don't know I'm doing this argument justice. Yes, uh, I think, yeah, yeah. That's, I, 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 I see human beings as lumps of clay and nothing more and nothing less. And they are imprinted on throughout their lives massively at the beginning of their lives and less or so as we age and become set in our ways. And I agree with that as well. I think it's both. I think I think our approach is. I think it's both of those. Okay, uh, I still don't quite understand your attraction to the mystical. <laughs> I, I, I want I want to qualify that and say no, that's not mystical at all. That's that's just human beings doing what they do, <laughs> searching for answers, well, searching for mystical, reasoning, chaos, think, and in fact, chaos is what is there. Yeah, chaos is definitely there, and 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 I'm kind of glad it's there. I like chaos, but. Um, I think mysticals, it's just a word for uh, the things that we will believe are in our lives or in our consciousness or in our souls that we can't show, express or even find a language to talk about it in. No, we can, though. We can rationalise it. Well, yeah. I mean, but, on the simplistic level, we can say something perhaps like some things a, a, a trite, trivial love song means nothing to us and then we break up with our other half, the most important person in our lives, and suddenly that cheesy, shitty song <laughs> that has been around forever is suddenly speaking to you. Now, this, this tells me that, that there is no pattern to this it's just what we need at that moment it's it's the lumps of clay responding the way lumps of clay do uh, the, i i can't buy into the idea that there is a a purpose to all of this nonsense and that somehow our objective is to seek it uh, i i prefer the stoical approach that you know life essentially is painful and awful and our duty and objective is to uh, deal I, with that yeah. but the stoicism actually should work for you because it has a sort of connection with buddhism i think to a certain extent is is yeah, would that be fair it is yeah i mean i i i don't i don't call myself a buddhist uh, but of course having spent time in a buddhist monastery and all the rest of it, 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 it it's a, it, lots of there's lots of tips i've taken <laughs> um but yeah the idea of everything being impermanent, I I do agree with. Do you th sorry, do you think the advancement in, in tech recording, which, you know, we both use enormously uh, in our music, do you think that is a challenge for some people in terms of, you know, when you've got very little to work with, you, you tend to use up a lot of your imagination. And then when you've got every tool known to man in front of you on a screen... Uh, you can get kind of you can go down a wormhole, you know. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, it, and and so music like that, like like which I don't know. It's the to me XTC like the Beatles. Uh, it's the equivalent of um, in music of, of I don't know explorers like Shackleton and you know people going off to other parts of the world that have never been explored before. I I. I if I understand your point, I think I agree with it. It's been a, a technology has been a burden and a saviour in the same breath. Uh, I can't speak for XTC, but in, in my experience, it's uh, the, the complication has been that uh, the early recordings of early bands that I did were very simplistic and very easy to achieve because you weren't thinking about uh, what the orchestra might do at this point. Yes. And that has undoubtedly slowed the process down the more i've been interested in arrangement and how differently i might approach 
certain parts of the song uh, are a world apart from the sort of brute force of of Honeycrack or, or something like that. But um, mm. let's, as let's, I say, let's, the, the 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 flip side of that coin is it means that uh, one can labour. You can just dis- disappear down rabbit holes trying to create this peculiar arrangement that you realize uh, I realize on certain occasions are so self-indulgent and nonsense that I have to get rid of them and I've just wasted six months <laughs> but there's a tribe of, of certain human beings that are looking for those uh, kind of that odd chord and that odd movement that strange shift in the composition which uh, some of those people uh, that are looking for our musicians, and some of them aren't. Um, it, it, it strikes me as quite a unusual tribe. I had that with um, when I first started writing as well with uh, one of the Jocasta songs. I remember I took some strange jazz chord out of a, I don't know, a Fats Domino song or something, uh, and and put it in what was indie rock. And and people used to like it, and they but they wouldn't know why. And I just think that's funny. They they like that, and they, other people were like, that's weird. And how do we identify that that tribe? It's weird. I don't know if if they well, exist. I think are they the still o- here? I think the only insight that I have to that is, is what I was alluding to earlier on. Is is that the reverse works too? And I know it works too because occasionally it works for me too. Uh, I can listen to an ACDC track which has none of those qualities <laughs> yeah. and still feel the same level of excitement and mm. joy that I get out of the simplicity, the brute force of it. I think the only thing that I would say is, is that uh, it's never been enough. I, I, I want a bit of that pie, that pie, that pie. The, the idea that mm. all, all of one's joy comes from just one approach to this stuff is yeah. ha, has never worked for me, never I mean, worked for me. But I, in the same breath, I have to say it clearly works for other people, so I really don't want to dismiss it as irrelevant. Staying on the theme of connection, you... Um, more, I think more than any other contemporary songwriter and producer that I know, you connect different genres together um, it, 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 like it's an addiction. I mean, you really, you, you really have those shit, very kind of violent shifts in your music a lot of the time, which which are, are I feel are there to discon- disorientate the listener, and by by default, then you stimulate the listener. Um, can you talk about I, that a bit? I mean, I, I, I've, well, I've I, always uh, adored that part of your work, and 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 I can hear your love for the craft in it as well. Can you talk about it a bit? What what do you well, go through when you're doing those things? When you're composing I, those changes? I would love to say that that's a deliberate specific approach that uh, that, that uh, there's some sort of science behind it but in all honesty there really isn't i suspect uh, uh, for me it's more about boredom levels uh, uh, at a certain point recording a song i go no we've had enough of that we've had enough what else might we do with it but uh, in terms of embracing other styles of music same thing i don't sit down and go right i haven't done a funk one let let's do a little bit of uh, there's a song on the new yeah. album called that's a that's Hope. a david bowie approach <laughs> what is I, it well, yeah, yeah what, what haven't we done yet <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe so maybe so who can we get uh, now <laughs> there's a song on the new record called hope that uh i i think it's perfectly fair people have said oh uh he's doing 80s prince there and I think that's probably a fair observation. Uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that I didn't go, oh, how could I do 80s prints? How could I get that in here? It's just what happened on the day. It's, mm. it, it's what moved me at the time. And there's always the same thing, even in that song, there's a, a turnaround where suddenly it sounds more like the Beatles. And that's probably nothing more than a reflection of, oh, God, I'm bored shitless with this yeah, endless I think groove I, here. But what I mean with your work is within the body of one song, so for, take, take an example like Good Good Feeling, uh, it's one of the songs on the Honeycrack album on Prosaic. You know, there's, there's, some, there's some, I don't know if you call it death metal, but certainly very heavy guitar passages followed by... A, a, Is like that a, the a reggae co- one? A, yeah, a cocktail in, in the sun in Jamaica, um, you know, um, and, and, and just with so much light feeling that you don't know where, where the mosh pit went. 
I don't remember, but I'm betting it was driven by the same impulse. I I would guess that when I wrote that, I would have probably done exactly the same thing, having written the verse and the bridge or whatever else it was. By the time I got to the chorus, I would have been ready for a break from yeah. the relentlessness of it. And uh, that that's really not a qualification of good or bad it's, it, I, I think but it's I, fascinating it's, it's, to listen and to hear and I, and for me when I was younger it was one of the things that made me want to continue you know there are things that make you want to continue writing and producing and arranging music and that was one of the things was like oh wow you can do that do you find it's gotten harder as you've gotten older do you still are you still impacted at, at, at quite the same rate as you were earlier on in life? Or do these things happen far more out of the ordinary and therefore resonate a bit harder with you? Um, I suppose I've gone a little bit away from um, the, the mad c construct of the song. Um and and a bit more into trying to i don't know what you'd call it trying to delve inside and get some something out without messing around with it too much trying to find well in so far as i understand you uh you do pretty much the same thing according to uh, the song you're recording at the time you'll go off on any number of tangents to this day you'll use a string quartet <laughs> yeah. or you'll have uh, uh what's his name that lovely fella from uh uh quadrophenia uh doing a little bit in oh, a song right, yeah uh, 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 i yeah, mean these are diverse little side strings that was the go. soho hobo thing. i mean the soho That's hobo it, yeah. one was was intentionally trying to celebrate as many english versions of popular music from music hall Right up to you know ska and reggae, up to, up to kind of Britpop, I suppose that was the idea behind that album. Um, but so, but so I gave myself license to what? begin with to kind of explore but, all the different but, styles that I like. Was it a preconceived idea, or did it just happen? Um, you switched the interview around now. <laughs> Because I'm curious, you're asking me the yeah. same question, and I think I'm trying to say I, to you, I, say to you, I don't think about this process. No, it I'm just saying. So it, what I'm, about you? I I'm similar to begin with. I think with the Soho Hobo, I, I I actually there was a blog. There was a blog called the London that nobody sings, which I discovered, and it was really old old music hall songs. You know, turn of the century, last century. Sorry, not. 18, late 1800s, and, and songs which I, I started listening to because that was my family background. And then I I got into them and then I started jamming a couple of them and in in a more modern style. And I thought that might be quite interesting to do something along those lines. And then the next day I wrote another song which had nothing to do with any of that, but it was still to do with London and Soho. And slowly, I think by the time I got, I think when I'm about four songs in, then, then I, nothing's an accident after that. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Uh, okay, but the, so but a the, shape appears and you sort of yeah. follow the shape. And then I Okay, so of... I'm lousy at that. Uh, John, uh, <laughs> my partner in crime, is very, very good at it. So he will never say, uh, or I can't think of a time he said when I've presented him with something, mm. oh, that's a shit song. But uh, at that stage, four or five songs into a record, uh, he, he might say... I don't know that that would work for this one. And I would do the same thing to him. I don't know that, mm. you know, the overall shape of this record would be best served by... So I, I've got a good example, for, uh, only for people that know what I do. But uh, for for example, on the first Dowling Pool record, what was that called? Bleak Strategies. Yes. Uh, we uh, didn't put a, I, I, what I think is one of my better, more kind of uh, rocky songs, uh, Honeycrack related, mm. a song called a straw man yeah uh which was about the jimmy savile uh nonsense that was mm. very high in this sort of public awareness thing at the time and i still stand by it i think it's a very good song but it didn't quite work in the context of the record that we were doing but i'm not a good judge of that if you look at the jackdaw four records i think many of them are far more disparate than what we do with the dowling pool and that's John really that uh, yeah. is much better at, your at connection with 
about John is uh, was was a surprise to you when you first because he's the best human being I've ever met, bar none. Uh, and not only yeah. is is he a, an astonishing musician, he's uh, the most decent uh, human guy I've uh, I ever come across. I, I love him. He's he's, uh, he's made my life infinitely better. And you both. Um, were were sort of you know like a blind date. Suddenly found out that you you had a future together. You've made how many albums are there now with Dowling Pool? No, oh, not that many. Only three. Or it's three albums, yeah. But it's been this has been really consistent. As soon as you started, I mean, it just hasn't stopped. Well, he forced me to up my game. I think is the the yeah. truth of the matter. But uh, it would be way too long and boring to go into how that formulated. Well, I hope, and how it I works. hope our Just... listeners are going to go and find it, find out about Darling Pool because it's you know it's a really it is a, a connection between two very passionate um, artists and 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 you are, even though you talk about being stoic and and all the rest of it. I mean, there's one thing that's consistent about um, all your songs, Willie, is that. The, the passion of your your caring about the world is well there. i'm the you worst care. of contradictions you, really, you sound like you don't care but you care so much about ah, but I, everything I, but i don't i pour all my carings <laughs> in, <laughs> caring caring into my song I I, i'm one of those it. worst uh, hypocrites in that i would call myself a humanitarian you but i hate humanity i'm a misanthrope oh, i don't the most think part, you, the you call let me you down. call out all the bad guys in so many of your songs all the people that are doing the things that are vile to humanity, for humanity. You well, call that's them only out. because you, we agree care, on that. You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't uh, be calling them only... out. <laughs> but no, but we have a shared idea of who those people are. There are uh, uh, multiple millions of people that will think that I'm, uh, you know, politely targeting the wrong people and impolitely think that I am uh, 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 the, the devil incarnate. I don't think that's... I think now, I think we're getting to the point where everybody's coming round to, to the opinions uh, that you and I share. <laughs> Is this what it takes? To, I mean, I'm reading time and time again. Now, oh, socialism, finally, in the UK. <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah, all right. That, how long will that last? I'm, uh, the other tragedy of being as old as I am is that I'm a terrible cynic and it's a, it's a curse. It's yeah. a curse. Uh, there's a song on the record called Hope, which on the face of it would seem to be, uh, you know, superficially, oh, brilliant, a song about uh, uh, hope and how humanity can continue. And of course, it's utter nonsense. Uh, the truth of the matter is I'm saying is that hope is a curse. Hope leads you on to think that something better might if you only struggle a bit harder and in fact hope makes life more difficult <laughs> so I, I yes I, i'm i'm not a good person to talk about and yeah i think uh, anybody that is a fan of your music would say that, that, it, that it does fill people with hope I, 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 it, it does me it, 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 even the music i'm not even talking about the lyrical content the, the soundscapes that of of what you do especially with the harmonies i mean it's it is it is celestial. It's joyous. But, you know, Brian Wilson, uh, again, who I was a very late comer to, uh, said this many years ago, that there is something about the human voice that is as close to... We I, I forget the exact wording of it, but, you know, the uh, implication was this t uh, touching the uh, hem of, of uh, the angel's skirts or whatever the fuck it might be. And I kind of get that. There is something about... Uh, multiple human voices interacting together that uh, is, for the most part, very, very uplifting. And, uh, you know, we respond to that in the way that we do through harmony and uh, uh, maybe other people do through a, a, a chorus that might be sung on a football f uh, terrace. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know, I had this weird dream uh, uh, not that long ago. Uh, you told me about there was another uh, it, dream you you had recently. You had to tell me about. You've got, uh, that's the one I was about to tell you about. Oh, it's the same enough, one. Come I, on. I, I noticed your posts. I'm guessing album related about dreams that I think you're doing in conjunction with a young lady whose name I forget. What's what, what's she called? Kate Alderton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've uh, I, I've read a few of your posts, and of course, again, being the tragic old cynic that I am I can't can't quite come on that journey with you but uh, around the same time I had this uh, a week ago two weeks ago ridiculous dream where the Pope was helping me move some of the furniture around my house 
and music was playing in the background. That must have been um, such uh, a pleasure uh, for you, knowing how sort of, <laughs> what, what a supporter of the Vatican you are. I don't want to think too hard about it, mate. <laughs> uh, 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 so, yes, uh, so as we were moving the chaise lounge or whatever the fuck it was... <laughs> Uh, there was music playing in the background from my iPad and suddenly a load of death metal came on now I reacted in the dream thinking I would have never put this on here and god he must be horrified but he was nodding along with it and (laughs) named the band and said oh yes I know this track I thought oh I've entirely misjudged you wow I wonder if you'd like my song Jesus Wants My Soul Back and I said to him I could play it to you I wrote a song and it was immediately mortified because he turned his eyes upon me and went oh god no that's a terrible terrible idea how could you how could you and I only you know in the dream tried to rationalise it by going well I I got the impression you were a bit more open minded I thought it's only a joke it's funny you know it's funny it's about masturbation this pope the pope we have currently I I, know visually I have no recollection of what pope it was or why he suddenly appeared in my dreams you just knew it was the pope yeah, it was the Pope. Oh, he was in regalia. He was in full regalia. We were just describing a dream that Willie had, if you just tuned in. <laughs> just in case somebody thought that you, you, you'd, you'd actually been doing that, Willie. Um, yeah, it won't happen again. Uh, yeah, so... Um, but but that's, that song... Uh, it, 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 it's an astonishing song, isn't it? Um, it's, uh, again, it's the you, same you know, sort of sneaky manoeuvres with the chords and the, 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 in, in terms of... They're not... They're not bold changes, but they're, they're a bit. But we deep. skipped this. We skipped this with XTC, and I want to go back to it, and indeed this one because they have this in common. My first attraction uh, uh, to both of those songs is what you are alluding to: this astonishing chord progression, this peculiar voicing of things that are instantly familiar and yet not in the traditional G A blah blah blah. Uh, but uh, it's the third and fourth listen that delivers the goods to me. And, and I, again, because I'm lazy, I don't get around to listening to lyrics that quickly. Same here. The music has yeah, to grab me first, more often than not. Uh, uh, yeah, and both of those songs, Easter Theatre, because it just uh, refers to, you know, the state of nature, uh, uh, mankind's experience, the cyclical nature of what we all go through, the the death of the old and the sprouting of the new, uh, came to appeal to me enormously with Easter uh, Theatre. And likewise with Judy Sill, I was struck initially by the beauty of the voice and the astonishing chords. And the lyrics came to me afterwards, uh, uh, thinking, my goodness, how how perfect how beautiful i mean it's the closest i get to what i think you live in that's spiritual it's the closest i get to it there's something that moves me in a way that <laughs> science will come to understand uh and yet yet i don't at this uh, moment in time well we, we well, that doesn't i think it's you know we all get there in our own way and, and that's with that's you and i uh, I think for years we've we're very we we're very different to each other, but we we find the same elation in 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 certain pieces of music. Um, and well, the, but that's the struggle of humanity, isn't it? To find something that resonates with you to the other person, whether it's meeting somebody yeah. new and you go, oh, I I like uh, uh, Alan Partridge as well. The, you, we're always looking for something to connect us. Yeah, and the moment we find it, uh, we you know occasionally jump on it too hard because we think we're talking to a kindred spirit and then we find out they're a fascist it's just remind me you're the person that introduced me to bill hicks which is ah yes a prophet prophet. one of the most important comedians uh ever i mean just it's so um amazing that (laughs) that he exists i'm curious to know that you should bring him up Uh, after music let's just uh, accept music as a given what is your second go-to that would make you feel connected? Uh, 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 something that sort of makes you feel like, okay, we're all in this together. He's 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 sounding the same things. Uh, the, uh, he's resonating the the way I feel about something. Uh, wh- where would you go in the absence of a, an MP3 player? Me, mm. in, 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 with you. 
No, no, j- just generally. If you can't play music, where are you oh, going to go for solace? Where, where, where would you find something that resonates and is is at least approaching the level of importance to you that music has? Um, Literature, theatre, uh, 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 what, what might it be? It might be theatre, um, and it might be some literature. But honestly, if it's a if it's a really passionate thing that I like connecting to, like really important, which you know it would have to be to replace music if there was no music. Uh, it, it, and this is really funny, um, but it would probably be cooking for somebody. Oh gosh! <laughs> there you go. We're massively different. <laughs> I love cooking. I can't remember if I ever cooked for you. I love cooking. I love working with food so much, and I, um, I like doing it for cooking for myself as well. But, um, but really, to me, making a f- meal for somebody else is a bit like coming up, writing a song for some for oh, people wow. like we do. You know? Yeah, I love it. So I would probably end up. I would probably end up going. I did do chefing, you know, in the nineties before. The oh, so you did. So you did. I recall. <laughs> yeah, it's all the all the all the Soho kitchens, you know, that I was in. Well, we um, don't share that, but uh, I was. Uh, I my my uh, uh, contribution would be comedy. Comedy for me is the fall. Yeah. In the absence of music, comedy not not comedy across the board, uh, uh, but specific comedy and there uh it's not even that i require political comedy although i kind of i guess it would be fair to say gravitate towards I'm that ask more you, than Willie, do, do you like um ricky gervais i have very mixed because he feelings. reminds me of you oh really god that's terrible i noticed also when he did his little <laughs> musical thing a few years ago he wore the glasses that i was prone to wear for about 20 years and immediately he wore them as a spoof i thought well that's it i've got to get yeah, new glasses yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know those Elvis shades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, I mean, I love his comedy. I love his comedy. Every so often, when I've watched his stand-up, uh, I've been uncomfortable, and I think that depends upon a particular nuance that is different for all of us as to whether you yeah. entirely trust the oh, I'm pushing it taboos of, homose- of homosexuality, racism, whatever else, and making you feel uncomfortable. And if you entirely believe that, then it's not a problem. And if, and I think this would probably be why I'm slightly discomforted by him. Every so often, I think he reveals something of his own prejudices. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Prejudice? I'm not sure what the plural of prejudice is. I know uh, what you mean. And so I, I couldn't say that I am 100% on board with him in the same way I am with Bill Hicks, but I would never miss anything he did. And that was a brilliant series he did recently. Uh, Afterlife. Uh, yes, I, I really enjoyed that, whereas I didn't like Derek at all. Uh, it had funny moments, but just the basic concept I was uncomfortable with. Yeah. Um, just um, I'm going to go back to that song again, and both the songs that you've chosen, um, XTC and Judy Sell, they both... Uh, I'm risking losing anybody that's listening that isn't really mad about music by saying this. Uh, hopefully, um, everybody will carry on listening. <laughs> the The way those songs are constructed, so, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a basic layman's set of chords that we often work with uh, as musicians. And you can tell when one chord changes to another and that one changes to another chord and we kind of go, all oh, right, there's a, there's, there's steps, you know, there's steps on a ladder or something. It's like we're going up these different steps. Each step's got its own style. Um, but those songs are, are, are different, aren't they? They, mm. they, they? they don't go from one chord to another. They go from one chord to another with lots of mini steps in between that make you not realise that you're going from one chord to another. And... It's. It, I think it's only certain songwriters that that like exploring that. You explore it a lot. I I I like exploring it, but I don't do it all the time. Yeah, and you don't do it all the time either. But it's this in between thing. It's this trying not. And it's. I'm only talking about it because it's come up with other subjects on this show, where there's quite often something that we as humans are drawn to that is not trying to define something 
uh, with too much solidity. We're trying to be fluid. And that's what those two songs make me think. Well, I might be going way off piste here uh, because I think I'm... I think I might have just done already. (laughs) Well, I'm struggling to rationalise a thought that I'm not entirely comfortable with, but I'll take a risk. I'll go out there with it. Uh, I'm going out on a limb here because I'm not sure that this is true, but I'll I'll take a risk with it. Uh, There's something, in my experience anyway, uh, having worked with completely untrained musicians, and I'll use John Poole as a good example. He has no musical theory to speak of. And remarkably adept musicians that can read anything that you put in front of them And it seems to me that these are two very different skill sets. And perhaps with Judy Sill and XTC knowing something of the composers, the complete lack of musical theory and what belongs in this particular progression and doesn't. Actually, that's not true with Judy Sill. I think she was quite a good Bach pianist. But I'll go with it anyway. Uh, There's something about not being afraid of stepping outside of the confines of rigid theory that allows the more experimental musicians to find stuff that technically you shouldn't go to for want of a better expression. And uh, and certainly Andy Partridge does this all the time. he's, He's almost ashamed of his lack of musical ability. He talks of chords in terms of colours. He's very dismissive of what he's capable of doing. And I wonder if that's something to do with the fact that you're not confined by the intellectualization of art. I know I'm on thin ice here, but I'll throw it out there. Not at all. I think this is exactly what, um, you know, we, 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 we should be talking about. Because... Um, the delivery system for music in the popular sense now is uh, it, it, it doesn't contain a lot of music that's made like that. There's there's a lot of music that's being made uh, in the way that you're describing that we're talking about, but um, and there used to be in in pop. It's not so much in pop anymore. Pop is a, is a different beast now, isn't it? I don't know. Again, a very difficult argument to be certain of. I, I mean, you just have to watch one of those top of the pops 1970s with your your hat on that goes oh it was great then and then you watch through a whole episode of that (laughs) crap and you realize no it wasn't it was full of there's all yeah same yeah full of fucking shit full of utter (laughs) trite (laughs) nonsense Yes. But slightly, because memory does this, doesn't it? You remember Bowie yeah. doing Starman that felt significant, but what you've forgotten was Bacharach doing Sorry I'm a Fucking Lady in between songs. <laughs> and that's what most of it was about then, and it still is now. <laughs> oh, I like the retitling of the Bacharach song. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't, isn't that what it was called? Sorry I'm a lady, sorry I'm a lady, I don't want it. God, I'm going to do the whole chorus. <laughs> And they also did oh, Yes okay. Sir I Can Boogie so of course you know it's a flip coin I mean obviously they yeah. redeemed themselves with that one um, and 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 uh, it's exciting isn't it to see that that, that, that I don't know um, tech is now making the people with imaginations for that that space that we were just talking about that, um, of music that isn't rigid in its theory or anything like that, but you know, tech devices. Uh, I, I I guess so. Again, I'm I'm really out of my depth on that one. I don't listen to music. I don't know. Every so often, I'll hear something on you know the uh, Radio Six thing that goes on mm. uh, one of the. We talked show. in the break a little bit about the fact that back in the nineties, you were very ahead of the curve. You know, with. Um, uh, um, sort of software and 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 the way things were a bit progressing into digital from analog, and you have, have a great experience in both disciplines. Um, how how is it now? Do you find yourself ever going back? Uh, do you use both? Is your heart still in analog, or do you love using Logic and all the plugins that we use to create the music that we? Well, n- nothing other than circumstance conditions that answer. Uh, uh... I remember analog, of course, the Honeycrack albums, everything that preceded it was done on analog. Uh, but I don't have access to analog and I'm perfectly happy in my little hole doing digital recordings. I don't have a strong feeling about one being better than the other at all. 
Uh, I mean, I could stretch that further and go, I'm slightly annoyed and frustrated by the fact that uh, digital has sort of presented this ubiquitousness of sound where uh, record after record sounds identical, sounds very, very similar to the previous ones. And that is because uh, we're all using the same technology. But in the same breath, every so often I'll hear something extraordinary. I always, I'm deeply jealous of it. Somebody, and I can't give you a name, somebody doing something so remarkable with technology that I think, oh, Jesus, why aren't I doing that? Because I'm still applying yeah. analog Do rules. you have the same the same old thing that, that, that I have as well, which is you, you hear somebody uh, every so often go, oh, I, I want to do, I, that's what I want. You know, it's, why haven't I done that? I'm only going to uh, uh, fall back on a Lenin quote that resonated with me then and remains true that uh, Lenin said that in his uh, fallow period when he wasn't doing anything for about five years, uh, he'd say that he'd turn the radio on and mostly it was crap and he'd uh, rail at the world going, that's terrible, how dare you release that? But every so often when he heard something great, his response wasn't to enjoy it. It was more to be slightly envious of the fact that, oh, God, I wished I'd done that. And that <laughs> actually is is my experience through and through. When I hear something brilliant, it takes me a while to just enjoy it rather than be deeply envious of it. It's the human trait. It's, a, it's an awful thing. Validation. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's also a, a, a hope to just keep producing stuff that you really love and you're really proud of. I think with Lennon that, in that period, I think it was the B-52s was the one that got him back into the studio. Oh, is that right? Which, which song? Do you remember? I think he heard remember? that. Rock Lobster, maybe? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, oh, I no, I do he... remember reading about that, but didn't he equate it with something that Yoko was... He was always trying to draw it. I think I read somewhere years ago that it, to, yeah. Yoko invented punk rock, apparently. <laughs> That's right, yeah. There was, there, was a, there was that style of singing, wasn't it, that she was doing in 71, and then suddenly there was some of it going on in punk. Maybe he was talking about Lena Lovage or someone like that, I can't remember. Mm. Um, listen, oh, God, it's, we, we, I could listen to you talking about music forever. I don't know why... Great, because I've got podcast. loads more. Sorry, I, 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 I don't want to finish now. I've got hours of this shit to deliver. <laughs> um, but listen, I try to ask this, and most of the people I speak to on the show, it's what if you, you know, if you had to think of one connection in your life that you have either, you know, tried to hold on to, or it has tried to hold on to you. What, is there something that you couldn't shake that was always going to be connected? Yeah, some, some, Monica. What, Ah, my missus. I don't yes. quite know how I stumbled into that one, but we've been together for thirty-two years, and in the absence of anything else, I I'll find a way to live with it. But I, I've it's crept up on me, and I really resent it. But I can't live without her anymore. Ah, <laughs> oh, that is such a beautiful way to to close the show. Well, it's not intended often. to be. It's just a permanent stain on my career. <laughs> no it's true it's true and it is that's coming from yeah the, the big hearted person that you are that hides underneath all the evil <laughs> musical genius <laughs> well no i mean i i mean you know from uh, from, from taking that from from lenin i mean your your the acerbic vibes coming out of so many of your songs that delivered with military precision don't, don't really <laughs> tell us that that your your biggest connection is really the love of your life <laughs> i think that's so beautiful willie dowling thank you so much for joining me on super connected and um hope to see you soon mate thanks man it's been a treat to talk to you let's do it again 